Anyone remember that one, that movie? That was one of my favorites. I was like the right age to really enjoy that one. And when I was a kid, I felt very empowered by the, the kids part. Like, yeah, family don't do me right. Now as an adult, it's like, oh my gosh, that kid. Mm, that was my kid. His mama better hold me back. Straighten him out. So one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time, Home Alone. Great movie. The second one was good. I think there was other ones. I don't recommend you watch them. I think they were pretty bad, but hey, we can't be can't hit a home run every time, right? So we just saw a couple clips there. If you've never seen the movie, or if you haven't seen it in a long time, let me kind of give you the the core idea of it. Eight-year-old Kevin McAllister is looking forward to Christmas, and his family is planning this Christmas trip to Paris. Now, the movie never tells us what in the world his parents did for a living that could, they could afford this humongous house and afford a trip to Paris for the whole extended family for Christmas. I don't know what they did. Um, this is kind of looking at my bank account. The only trip I'm going to be making this Christmas is to the dumpster to haul off all them Amazon boxes. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Um, the night before the trip is what you saw here in these clips. The extended family is all there, including the brother who's a bully and the uncle who's a big meanie. And Kevin has several run-ins with some of his family members and it makes him feel very disrespected and devalued, mistreated and misunderstood. And in his frustration, he openly wishes that he didn't have a family. And then he goes up to the attic and falls asleep. The next morning, the family hurries out the door to the airport, and in their rush, they have forgotten something important. They, they forgot Kevin. And he wakes up, and his family's gone, and he thinks his wish has worked, that he's wished his family away, and he celebrates. He's like, ah, oh, yes. Those big meanies, they're gone now. And somewhere over the Atlantic in the air, in an airplane, his mama realizes, oh my goodness, we've forgotten Kevin. So this is where we got to remember, this movie was made like 30 years ago. This is before people had cell phones normally. This was before uh, smartphones were even considered. And it was before you could really track somebody. Like these days, something like this probably wouldn't be a very plausible storyline because it would be too easy to get in touch. But in this story, he really is home alone. He's, he's got no family, and he's happy about it. This time of year is a big time for family. People visit, and they get together, and they spend time together, and it can be really, really nice, or it can be kind of awkward if there's some kind of strain in the families. And even if you've got a family that's pretty stable there's probably some part of that family that's a little little strained but for most people family's a mixed experience some of it's really good and some of it's not so good and uh, nobody can love you like family but nobody can hurt you like family when it's working right there's nothing as wonderful and when it's not working there's probably nothing more painful you know what hurts so much when family goes wrong? Because we know it shouldn't be that way. 
we know it should be good and life-giving and fulfilling and we we see families depicted and and we think why or we look at some family we know and say why don't they don't seem to have the drama that we have. Well, let me tell you something about those families that don't look like they have drama from the outside. Go go inside, and there's some drama. You you don't think your family has any drama? There's some drama. You don't think your neighbor's family has any drama? There's some drama. You just got to know where to look. Sometimes, the you know, we, we have this picture of what family should be. But the experience doesn't always match the expectation. And it hurts. It's tough. The, the people who should heal us sometimes hurt us. And there's lots of, lots of families that can't get together. They can't. They can't coexist. And maybe you've even had a moment, and I'm not asking you to admit this, this between you and the Lord. Have you ever had a moment where you sort of wished some member of your family would kind of just, just disappear? Just disappear, you know. Not that I don't love you or anything, uh, buddy, but if, if uh, you know, if we didn't have to have you over for Christmas, no, maybe not. Anyway, I think we've all got that. We've all have some of those, those folks in our family, and if you don't know who it is, it could be you. You could be the one. Ooh, that would be tough. So when you've been hurt by the people closest to you, it can be tempting to pull away Um from people in general or to push people away to not let anybody get too close especially if if in your home of origin you you didn't really get the kind of uh support that you needed and it's hard to let anybody get close and being being alone can start to sound like a good idea like a safer idea because let's face it people people i'm going to get in trouble for this because my mom's here sometimes people suck Mm, that's bad. Am I allowed to say that? Uh, uh, it's too, it's out of my mouth now, ain't it? Sorry, Lord. So uh, people people stink. Is that a little better? People now we're commenting on their hygiene. I don't know. There's no good way to say it. Sometimes enduring the company of people is unpleasant. Is that better? That's PC enough, right? Okay, cool. Uh, people can be selfish. People can be mean. People can be abusive. And I bet you could tell me some stories about how people have been hurtful and neglectful towards you, and some of those people were probably family. Kevin's family was mean to him. And he decided that the whole idea of family was no good. Better not to have a family. Better to be alone. By the end of the movie, if you know how the movie goes, he's going to figure out that, yeah, he does need a family after all. And he's, he's happy to see him at the end. We need a family too. God created people to be in families. And that's where somebody's going to say, ah, maybe your family, preacher. But you don't know my family. Created people to be in families. Let me tell you about my family. My family wasn't there for me. My family was no good. My family was hurtful in ways that should never be allowed. I can't be with my family, at least some of them. And I believe you. God knows. God sees. Not every family of origin is going to be a positive experience. And that's one of the reasons God provides a kind of family that is based on something stronger than DNA. Before we get there, though, we've got to go back to the beginning. The beginning. 
And I'm going to pray before we do that. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, you, you tell us you put, you put the solitary in families. And I pray you'll, you'll do that in our hearts right now. There's so much loneliness around the holidays. So many people who feel disconnected. And I pray you'll build a connection here in this family. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going back to the beginning in Genesis. And Genesis um, tells us how God created the universe and all the living things. And full disclosure, I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those guys who really believes the Genesis account of creation. Um, I believe it. You know, six-day creation and the whole jam. But I'm also a science guy. Uh, when me and Elijah get in the car, he's my, he's my science pal. Pretty much every time we get in the car, if we're not talking about some awkward middle school subject that I'm trying to help him navigate through, we're talking about science. And the other day when we were in the car, we were talking about how brakes work on a car. And that was partly because I put some brakes on his mama's car and there was some air in the lines, and I didn't know about that, and I had to bleed the brake lines in the rain in the middle of the night, and uh, I felt kind of bad about that. Just for the record, I love my wife so very much, and I would never do a thing to sabotage her brakes, and I don't think I'll ever forgive myself for not doing a great job on her brakes again. So who wants to help me with the brakes next time? <laughs> who loves the preacher's wife enough to help with the brakes? Anyway, we had a very sciencey conversation about... Uh, you know, hydraulics and how all this works. And we talk about cosmology. We talk about beginnings. So I don't think that following Jesus means I got to drop my brain in a bucket at the door before I walk in a church building. My belief does not switch off my intellect. I think it, I think it turns up the dial. Like God created all of this, this amazing world, and he didn't have to make it like this, he could have made like one kind of flower, one kind of bird. I mean, he could have made it very dull, but he didn't. He gave us all this beauty, and it's amazing. Anyway, even if someone here or, or listening is not ready to, to go with that, I'm just going to say, we welcome people with questions and doubts. You got questions and doubts? Excellent. That's how you learn. How do you learn without questions and without doubts? I believe there's answers to be had. I love being a part of finding answers. In the meantime, salvation is not based on what you believe about the origins of the world. It's based on what you believe about Jesus. And there's some good principles here. Even if you aren't ready to get on the Genesis bus with me or the Jesus bus with me, there's some good stuff here. So Genesis tells us the story of how God created the world. And day by day, he goes through and, and he creates something and he declares it to be good. God creates the sun and the moon, the stars and the planets, and he says, it is good. God creates the, the fish and the birds and the mammals and all the bugs, and he says, it is good. God creates human life, and he says, it is good. As a matter of fact, it's all good through chapter 1. It's all good through the first half of chapter 2. But then, about halfway through chapter 2, God says something is not good. In Genesis 2.18, he says, It is not good that a man should be alone. It's not good for people to be alone. We're made for connection with other people. And I'm not just talking about a romantic relationship. 
Look, man, single and alone are not the same thing. You can be in a relationship and be alone. And you can be single and not be alone. It's not the same thing. I'm talking about community. I'm talking about family. People need people. And I would get you to turn to someone near you and say, people need people and give them a fist bump. But the thing is, sometimes we have a hard time buying that. We're uncomfortable with this idea that we need people because people will let us down sometimes. Sometimes we tell ourselves, we don't, I don't need nobody. I don't need anybody. Heard anybody say that? You've said that too, haven't you? I don't need these people. They don't always making a mess and you know, not respecting me. I don't need them. Let me tell you, I've been in ministry for like 20 years now, which is mind-blowing to me. And I'm kind of like State Farm Insurance. I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. And I'll tell you right now, about the time we start saying we don't need anybody, the truth is we did need somebody. And we didn't have somebody. Or somebody who should have been there for us wasn't there for us. And we say as our self-protection, I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody. Thing is, that only works for a little while. We need people. When somebody who ought to have been there for you leaves us feeling alone or abandoned or unsupported, we kind of like pull away harder. Because it's like people can't push us away if we push them away first. Mm-mm-mm. We, we, in order to avoid the pain of being abandoned, sometimes we, we pre-abandon. We, we won't let people get too close or, or when it feels like they're kind of like pulling away, we're like, uh, nope, not in my house. We think that it will protect us from the pain, but it only guarantees the pain. Lots of relationships, most relationships really suffer from some pre-abandonment because some kind of problem in the present rem- reminds you subconsciously of the hurt in the past. And you're like, nope, I'm not having that hurt again. And it's a drawback. And, home, uh, and, and all of our efforts of self-protection just make us more vulnerable, of course. So in Home Alone, if you know this movie, Kevin gets along pretty well for a while. Home alone, by himself. Now, of course, if, the mo- if it continued, if he really did wish his family away, then eventually the electricity gets shut off, and there's no food in the house, and the house gets foreclosed upon, and he is sent to foster care, and you know he's, he's not going to be able to sustain this indefinitely, but for a while, he does pretty good, until my favorite characters in the movie show up. Harry and Marv. They make that movie. The bad guys, the two bad guys that show up, the, the, the crooks, the wet bandits, they show up and, and um, they, when they figure out, they, they want to rob the place. They want to burglarize the place. And when they figure out that Kevin is alone, they're like, ha there's just a kid here all by himself with no one to protect him. They, they move in. Now, Kevin fends them off for a while. I got to give his creativity uh, setting up all these hilarious traps, you know, and and part of me is like, also, what what kind of kid is this? He probably could have found like a cop or something, and be like, hey, there's some bad guys. No, he just tore them up. I don't know. That kid probably needs to see somebody. That's a little scary. Eight year old boy messing you up. So it goes good for a while, but then the bad guys eventually catch him. 
and and he would have been in big trouble, but an unexpected friend steps in and helps him out. So I won't spoil that for you. If uh, if Kevin's friend had been there, uh, Kevin's friend, if Kevin's family had been there, it, it would have they would have never come after him. You see, family is designed by God to be a protection. And you might say, ha ha, well, my family got it wrong. My family didn't protect me. In some ways, my family caused my injuries. And you know what? Man, that's, that is heartbreaking. It's not supposed to be that way. It's not. God did not design it to be that way. And that is not God's plan. God's plan was never for your family to hurt you or to fail to protect you. God is going to offer us a family to make up for if you didn't have that family, it'll make up for that. So there are times when alone is good. Okay. There is that blessed week when the kids go back to school. You know what? The kids are off school now for like how, how many months are they out of school for Christmas break? Like two weeks, like two weeks. Have one teacher over here. She's like, yes, yes. Two weeks out of school. What, the, what in the world? We, I don't remember getting two weeks for, um, for like Christmas break. What we also had these blessed, wonderful things called snow days that kids don't get anymore because they got virtual days. I don't know if that's happening everywhere, but like my senior year of high school, we're out two straight weeks. And let me tell you, I shed not a single tear. Not at all. And my poor mama was stuck at home with us. Because at that time, she was driving the bus. So she wasn't going anywhere either. So God bless my mama. God bless her. So being alone is good for like a while, okay? When you got a little, hey, some peace and some quiet. And this Christmas season, the hustle and bustle of Christmas can make you feel that desire for a little bit of alone time. Let me tell you, I love Christmas. And I love people. And I love Christmas gatherings, but there is that point at the Christmas gathering where my social battery just goes, and it's done. And it's done. I'm so glad I've been married long enough where I can go to my wife now and say, my battery just run out. She's like, okay, sweetheart, let's, let's do this. Because she's more social than I am. I know you all have a hard time believing that because she's the quiet one and I'm up here with this microphone in my hand. But let me tell you, in my heart of hearts, I'm an introvert. And you say, well, you can't be an introvert, Pastor Michael. You're up there talking your head off. Yes, I do this because I love Jesus. Okay, I love Jesus that much. Being an introvert doesn't mean that you are necessarily shy or, or um, reserved or antisocial. It just means when you're in a social situation, it take something out of you and you've got to replenish that now extroverts are the other way around being in a social situation gives them energy and being alone kind of takes it out of them so we're all just wired a little differently jesus had the best of both worlds i love that about him he was like this perfect balance because he thrived in a crowd but then he would also get some alone time he would uh, go off into the mountains and pray for a while now have you ever had the moment where you said, I'd love to go out in the mountains forever? And just like, oh, can I just get a cabin in the woods and just be out there by myself forever and ever and ever? And that sounds pretty good sometimes. Now, some of you are, the, the extroverts are like, no, 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 never, never, never. The introverts are like, you know, that sounds pretty good. I think I might try it. 
So Jesus did that for a while, not forever. He would go down out in the mountain, he would pray, and then he would come back. He did not run away. It was temporary. Jesus intentionally shared his life with people, with the community, not just with the crowds. You see, when he went into ministry, his family, for the most part, did not make the journey with him. It was the disciples kind of became his family. And I think one of the most underrated miracles that Jesus ever did was the fact that he was over 30 years old and he still had 12 good close friends. Uh, That's a miracle. Like 12 good close friends that he could hang out with all the time. That's kind of amazing. Jesus knew something that we need to learn. People are made for family. Isolation sets us up for attack. The only time Jesus isolated himself for a long time, that was, uh, remember the time he was in the wilderness for 40 days? What happened right after that? The devil came, and the devil attacked him. Now, he was victorious. And we'll say, well, I could go out and be wrong for 40 days, and the devil won't attack me. So you going to outdo Jesus? I don't think so. Not today. The devil loves to get us alone. Not just in like a house by ourselves, but isolated, like socially isolated, where we don't have a meaningful connection with somebody. The devil is a thief and a liar. He loves to steal, kill, and destroy, and he loves it best when his target is alone, just like a, just like a mugger might catch somebody alone on a dark street, and they're much more vulnerable than if they had somebody with them. And for us, if we isolate ourselves, whether that means we're physically apart from some other people, or if we just don't let people in, if we're not sharing our life, if we're not sharing some vulnerability with people, we make ourselves a target for the devil. Something, uh, you know, I got, I got a good friend of mine, and we talk every day. Every morning we talk. We talk about, you know, hey, what went on yesterday? We pray for each other every day, because if you don't have somebody to talk to about it, if you don't find, like, I'm, I'm not... And, and chances are good, you know, your spouse is maybe not going to be able to fulfill all of that. There, you may have to have a friend who will do that, you know, a good friend who loves Jesus. You've got to have somebody. You've got to have connection. You've got to have someone to share your life with and share some of your vulnerabilities with and pray with you. Now, sharing your life with people is messy. Being truly honest and open with your struggles is is risky. Sometimes people won't get it. You won't be able to just bare your heart to everybody, but you need some people. It can it can feel safer to keep people out, but if you isolate yourself, it comes with a price. And this is not pretty, so just buckle up. Already, get your seatbelt, buckle up. Only Crystal did it. The rest of y'all just left me hanging. Just buckle up, buckle in. Studies have shown that isolating yourself hey i'm not talking about being in a relationship like a romantic relationship single and alone are not the same thing but if you isolate yourself it puts you at a higher risk for depression anxiety and as you age dementia and i'm going to give thumbs down to each one of those things thumbs down and Something like if you isolate yourself, you have something like a 30% chance of dying younger. 
if you don't have like meaningful connections with people, again, not necessarily a romantic relationship, but like meaningful social interactions, like 30% chance. That's going to be a long-term struggle for all these generations that have come up through the COVID pandemic. I think of like my kids' generation where they almost didn't see any other kid for like a year and a half. Or they saw like people at church. They saw us and they saw people at church. And that was about it. I will say this. My kids learned to not hate each other during COVID. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Because they went into the pandemic not being able to coexist very peacefully. And they came out of it like, hey, we like each other now. And apparently they have like a group uh, chat. They call the Offspring TM. And I said to my son, I said, boy, y'all, y'all talk smack about your parents on that? He's like, oh, no, we mostly share memes. I'm like, okay. Okay, buddy. I was like, I wish I had a group chat with my siblings. But uh, I could probably do that. I might, maybe I need to make that happen. So <laughs> I still send them memes, though. Um, yeah. I, I just, look, I'm, I'm, worried, I'm worried about us. And I'm worried about kids, and I'm worried about grown-ups. And, and I have no interest at all in debating, like, the, the wisdom or the motivations behind, like, the lockdowns and the, and the isolation and all of that. That's, I'm not interested in hashing that out today. But I will say this. Um, our culture has certainly moved towards greater disconnection between people. And there's a price for that. Because we kind of got used to social isolation. And that's a bad thing to get used to. It's not good. And I, I get it, especially if you're a person who's not like a really like outgoing type of person. I understand that completely. That it's, it kind of is nice to stay home. Part of me is like, you know, we don't have as many social obligations as we once did. And it's not that bad. But it's not really good in the long run to isolate yourselves. People need people. God created people for community, not just to connect over an electronic device, but face to face. We need to share some space with some with some people. We need family or at least people who will love us like family. And that is where God has got our back so much. Let's go to Psalm chapter 68 verses five and six. I'll read verse 5, but I really want to get into that first part of verse 6 and stay there a little while. Psalm 68, 5 and 6. God is, uh, he's a father of the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. And those were the vulnerable people in that culture. Is God in his holy habitation? In verse 6, God sets the solitary in families. Some translations render solitary as lonely or abandoned. God intentionally sets people in families. And I understand that may not always be able to be your biological family or your family of origin. It may not necessarily mean some sort of a romantic relationship, but there is family for everyone. God wants everyone to be in a family. And if you don't have that family, family or even if you do have that family you've still got more family this family god's family this whole thing is family god at his core is family we we call him he introduced himself to us as 
God the God the Father and Jesus the Son. These are familial terms. Family didn't start when Adam and Eve had kids. Family started, family's always been family. Because human relationships are really rooted back in that God relationship. That's where it comes from. When God came to earth in the person of Jesus, he did so as a part of a literal earthly family. Now, if anyone could have made it without a family, it was Jesus. But as an infant, he chose to take on humanity, which meant he could not have lived without the support and help of a family. He chose to be in a family. Jesus is God's son, but he made himself a part of the family of Joseph and Mary. And he had brothers and sisters, too. That's so weird to think about. Anyone else think that's weird? Brothers and How would you like to be Jesus's brother or sister? And your, liter- your older brother literally never does anything wrong. Ever, ever, ever. It must have been like being my younger siblings. I, <laughs> I, no, I wasn't too bad. The thing is, I didn't do a lot. No, I, I was going to say I didn't do a lot of mean things. But I just didn't do a lot. At all. How much trouble do you get in reading the World Book Encyclopedia? That's how I spent my childhood. That's why my brain is full of useless stuff. But it comes up in sermon illustrations now and then. So, no, I mean, Jesus had brothers and sisters. He chose that family dynamic. And I'm sure it must have been a little awkward for the younger siblings. Like, Jesus never does anything wrong. And, and like, how do you not make... How's the son of God not the favorite kid? How do you not play favorites in that dynamic? I mean, it's kind of, it's really something. But he chose that. And when he went into ministry, kind of sad, but his family at first didn't believe in him. His family thought he'd lost his mind. And you know what? To be fair, if you had a sibling who started going around saying that they were God, you probably have a problem with that. Now, some point along the way, you might have had an older sibling that felt like they had the power of God over you. Possibly. That's a different. I see some people giggling. Maybe someone who had three older brothers. Something tells me Caitlin held her ground very well. I bet she held her ground perfectly. But anyway, when his biological family could not join him on the journey, unfortunately, Jesus still had a family. He had some new brothers, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, and the rest. He had a family. Even when his family of origin couldn't, they, they couldn't walk with him, he still had a family. Guess what? Later on, Jesus' family, caught, they caught up. You've heard of the book of James in the New Testament? Jesus' brother wrote that one. You heard of the book of Jude in the New Testament? Jesus' other brother wrote that one. So they did get on board in the end. See, I want you to understand that when you trust in Jesus, you join the same family, the family of God. We are children of the Heavenly Father. We're brothers and sisters to one another. And God does not just put us together in this like one big worldwide family. By the way, you are. Shout out to the people listening around the world. Say hey to them. 
like 20-some countries listening. That blows my mind. We're just a little kind of dot on the map, Hillsville, Virginia, famous for a courthouse shooting 100 years ago and for a big old flea market that local people try to avoid. And that's what we're famous for. But reaching around the world. But you got brothers and sisters all over the place. And it's not just like one big wide world, worldwide family. You have... God puts people in these local family units. A local church is meant to be like a family. So even people listening to the podcast, I'm so glad people listen to the podcast, but everyone needs to be connected, plugged into a local family of believers there for, for support, for like hands-on support and help and, and uh, to support and help them as well. Not just to show up, but to really connect, uh, to be family to one another in ways that even the best biological families can't. Family by blood is powerful, but family by the blood of Christ is something on an entirely different level. Not everybody gets the storybook family. Not everybody gets that. And, and that hurts my heart. Some of you may have grown up in families where it was, there was a lot of hurt. And maybe... The generation above you received a lot of hurt from the generation above them. And instead of stopping the cycle, they passed it on. That happens. That happens all the time. It happens more often than not. And even the most functional family, even if you have that storybook family, it only takes one tragedy to mess it up. You know, one person, that, that um, matriarch of the family passes away when the the grandma or the grandpa passes away and it's like what happened we always used to get together for christmas what happened now people can't be in the same room together what happened i want you to know that even when a biological family or a family of origin can't be with you you can always 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 have a family a church is meant to be a family Mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters that will be there to help you. God created you for connection. And my goodness, am I not thankful for my church family. Yesterday afternoon, I called someone in our church family. And uh, he, he missed my call at first. And then he called me back. And I said, man, you may wish that you had not called me back. Because I told him about... A tragic plumbing-related event that had took place in our church building? Well, you remember several years ago when I told you about the sewer line that blew up in our house? It was the poo explosion of 2017. Well, let me just say, that does not just happen to residential plumbing. And I'm not going to steal it because I told him, I said, all right, you know, this is going to make a fantastic sermon illustration because when you are elbow deep in it, um, it, you know, it's terrible at the time, but it will make a great sermon illustration later. And I told him that he could, whoever got the worst of it could have the sermon illustration. And he got the worst, he got the worst of it. And uh, I'm going to let him have that from here. He's got all kinds of great ideas. Um, you know, it's a stinky situation, but he had all kinds of great ideas, and I'm just I'm so thankful today that we have functioning plumbing today, because we did not <laughs> yesterday. So praise Jesus for that. And you know what? You got somebody who you can call and tell that stuff to, and they still show up and still be your friend? 
Man, that's 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 good stuff right there. That's family right there. Family. Not you know, I hope you have an amazing family of origin. I hope you have amazing people who you're family with by DNA or, or by marriage, but I'm gonna tell you this. Let's be an amazing family to each other here. Because we're all part of God's family. By the end of Home Alone, Kevin realizes he needs a family. And he's reunited with them. And he's even happy to see his brother. He's even happy to see his uncle. Family doesn't always work like it should. But when it does, it's beautiful. I don't know if you ever pay attention as you walk through these doors on a Sunday morning. You see the name of the, uh, the church there on the door. It's like on the glass. Recreate Church. Have you noticed the line that's under that? Recreate Church, a community of life and love. A community. We believe in that. The connection. That is, that is who we are. If you pick up one of those brochures that's laying around, or you go to our website, recreatechurch.org, and you look at the who we are section, you're going to find right in the middle of this line, we are one family under God. We won't always get that right. But that's what we're aiming for. And some of you could probably tell some stories of how you were involved with the church in the past, and they didn't get it right. They weren't there for you when you needed. You know what? And sometimes we're going to swing and we're going to miss. But that is what we are aiming for every single Sunday. That is our design. That is our desire to have real positive life-giving connection between people that is rooted in the love and in the family of God. God created people for family. And we want to share that family with you. Family loves one another. We pray for one another. Nobody has to be home alone. We got, we got family. I think we're going to do a family thing here at the end. You okay if we pray for you? Lucy needs some serious prayer today. Lucy's been awfully sick. I'm going to ask. We're going to end our service. We're going to, we're going to pray for Lucy. Will you come forward, Lucy? Family prays for one another. Lucy is such a gem. I love Lucy. They made a whole show about it. We're going to pray for Lucy. Um, if you are willing, if you feel comfortable to do so, will you guys stand and we'll put a hand on her, just lay a hand in front of the person in front of you. If you're not comfortable doing that, you're absolutely free to pray where you are, but we're going to pray for Lucy. She's such a blessing for us, and that's how we're going to end up our service. Almighty God, we, we pray over our sister Lucy, who is a gift to us the joy of the lord overflows in her and it is so contagious in such a positive way god we pray for healing in her body you understand everything that is going on you understand what she is struggling with god i pray for an anointing over her i pray for healing in her we lift her up to you thank you for her ministry thank you for the way that she touches lives lord we raise her to you and we give you the glory in advance for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you, Lucy. We love you. We love you. Hey, guys, it has been a pleasure to have you here today being a, a part of, of our family. And we're just going to dismiss it like that. So go ahead and start that going home music. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. We will have church service next week on Christmas morning for those who are able to make it. We will have it. God bless you.